Hi, everyone. You're listening to Recruitment from A to Z, the podcast that covers all things talent acquisition and recruitment advertising. I'm Andrea, and with me is Zach, hence the A to Z. I oversee the client services team nationally, and Zach oversees our marketing and sales efforts. Bayard specializes in recruitment advertising and employer branding, and we're excited to talk to you about lots of fun topics, changes, and more in our industry. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of Recruitment A through Z. Today, we're joined by Larry Jacobson, who is the head of talent acquisition at Simply Safe. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Larry. Hello. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Yeah, it's good to have you. Nice to meet you. Thank you. You too. I I start a vacation uh, tomorrow, so I'm scrambling right now. I just fired off like 10 emails, letting people know they're picking stuff up. It's good timing. Where are you going on vacation? Provincetown. Where's that? I'm in Colorado. I know very little about the East Coast. It's where the Atlantic Ocean meets Cape Cod. it's like everybody just do your own thing. They've got great restaurants and galleries and beautiful national uh, seashore beaches. It's just a great, great place to be. Oh my God, it sounds awesome. We're gonna kick your vacation off on a good note because I hope you have a cocktail in your hand. Uh, I don't in my hand, but- Larry. I can rectify that pretty quickly. Yeah, you gotta you gotta go get the, the tequila, man. All right, be right back. <laughs> there we go. Thank you for the bottle of tequila, Baird. Anytime. Thank you for that. So we're sending you off on a high note with your early happy hour into a vacation. So cheers, everybody. So Larry, tell us what alcoholic drink you picked for us today. Uh, today I selected a uh, Don Julio Reposado. For those of you who are not tequila people, that's rested tequila. So it's got a little hint of brown to it. It's aged in oak barrels, similar to like what people do with scotch. And it's uh, really smooth and, and it's good for you too. It's low glycemic. It'll keep you young. <laughs> you know, it. you sold it well with the exception of the fact that it still unfortunately tastes like tequila. So... <laughs> I uh, opted for an alternative drink because of that today, but um, I hope you, you enjoy your tequila. I have I, I have a tiny bottle of a tequila just to sh- in solidarity with you. Ah. This is a Calzadores, but I'm not drinking it. I'm just drinking a vodka soda. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. But Zach showed up. He's got a tequila. I do. It is not Don Julio Reposado. It is Casamigos, but I do have tequila. And, and is it Reposado? No. Silver. Silver. Yeah. All right. So we, we blew the bad budget on your bottle. So we got the cheap <laughs> stuff. <laughs> still good. The Casamigos is still good. It is. It, it does the job. You got to make sure the talent is happy, Zach. I mean, this is, this is the, the quality stuff. We're all in a good place right now. Exactly. So Larry, did you start out in recruiting? No, I'm a recovering lawyer. Okay. Uh, so I was a lawyer for five years and then got into recruiting in 96 uh, at an agency. I, I went from being a, a senior associate at a law firm to 100% commission recruiter for technology people. So I worked at an agency for probably seven or eight years. And then I started my own firm for six or seven years, recruiting firm. And then I went in-house with a client uh, called Indeca. It's a software company based here in Boston that was bought by Oracle uh, for a billion dollars. And then I went in-house with Vistaprint, which was also a former client of mine. And I started there running technology recruiting in North America, 
and then technology recruiting globally, and then all of recruiting. And Baird helped us a lot with our careers, you know, creative things, also execution, managing our vendors and our spend. So Larry, why, how did you get from being a lawyer and having a gigantic career pivot to being in recruiting? That's one of the things that's been interesting to talk about on this podcast is all the people who unintentionally ended up in this field who didn't, you know, have aspirations to be in TA or recruiting. So how did you make that choice or how did that unfold for you? And I think other people may have had a similar experience. I was a poli sci major in college, didn't have any idea what I wanted to do. Law school seemed like the next best thing. Frankly, didn't spend a ton of time being thoughtful and planning it all out. It just was like, okay, that makes sense. Went to law school and I had a lot of loans. So I needed to take a job that was going to allow me to, to pay those back. So I was a, a student prosecutor in law school, and I really loved that. But those jobs don't pay anything. So I ended up at a, a, a law firm. And um, you know, at the time, it was like work hard, play hard. The money was really great. I mean, I grew up in a you know, kind of middle class family, and it just seemed like, wow, I made it. You know, and about two years in, I started looking around thinking, I don't want to be like these people that are 10 years ahead of me, just how their their work-life balance. I wasn't enjoying the work at all. I was doing uh, corporate finance and real estate work. And um, so I thought maybe it was the law firm itself. So I switched jobs, went to another law firm and realized, okay, this just isn't fun. And uh, I was just going to keep my head down and do it because that's what you do. But I really had an epiphany around, okay, maybe I should take some time, take a step back and really think about what I want to do. So I started talking to everybody who would talk to me, my friends, their parents, you know, about different jobs. I read a book called uh, What Color Is Your Parachute? I don't know if you guys have read it or heard of it, but it's good. It's written by a a minister, actually. It's not so much of a faith-based book, but um, it's about like finding what, what your strengths and weaknesses are and what you want to do. So anyway, recruiting seemed like something that would play to my strengths and away from my weaknesses. And uh, I started looking for jobs in recruiting and I got a job offer to be a recruiter for lawyers. Called a college buddy and said, hey, what do you think of this offer? And he said, I think it's terrible. And I thought you wanted to get away from lawyers. Like, what are you doing? Why don't you come work with us? And uh, he was part of a company that was doing uh, IT staffing at the time. And I said, I I don't know anything about technology. He's like, don't worry, we'll we'll teach you. And that was it. So I, I went and interviewed and it was a relatively small company, probably 30 people, really flying high, really young and dynamic and and very intense. Uh, you know, TVs that tracked everybody's phone calls and business activity and emails that went around every day. Like it was kind of boiler room like in that regard. And I loved it. I loved it. And then they told me you have to make 300 cold calls a week. Like this is before LinkedIn, uh, 1996. So I made 400 for a long time because I was scared. I was really scared about uh, not making any money. And uh, that developed a lot of good habits. So that that's a super long-winded answer, but that's how it happened. No, it's so interesting. Uh, I love to hear like the, the pivot in your life because I think that this is an industry where, I think when you're a kid and you grew up even into college, like the, your experience, correct me if I'm wrong, but you still sort of grow up thinking doctor, lawyer, teacher, like there's these big buckets of jobs and you don't realize all the nuance you could have in your career. And I think TA and recruiting is on no one's radar pretty much. Um, and I think it's so interesting how people end up there and how they find great success in those roles. So, Yeah, yeah. Nobody goes to school to be a recruiter. It just does, doesn't exist. <laughs> For our listeners, Larry is based in the Boston area. So Larry, I want to know how you ended up there. 
I grew up in Florida. I was a basketball player. Yeah, that's how I got to Boston was uh, via basketball and playing at Tufts. Wow, that's amazing. That makes sense, though. There's probably a lot of attributes for a high-level athlete and lawyer that go hand in hand. <laughs> Determination. I, I would say for a recruiter. Athletes are make great recruiters because you keep score, you get out of it what you put into it. You know, there's a lot of ups and downs. I think with sports, like one of the best things about it is learning how to lose. Yeah. You know, move on. Wait, but do kids learn that anymore? I thought everybody got the trophy. Not into the everybody gets a trophy. I don't think that's a good quality. Me neither. I agree. And I think that is the case in a lot of places, but it really wasn't. It was a very competitive environment. Yeah. Larry, in your journey in recruiting and talent acquisition, you started as a recruiter, you're making 400 calls a day. You've obviously been in this industry, you know, and are no longer doing that, right? So talk, I'd love to hear your opinion of moving into like leadership and oversight and more visionary roles for talent acquisition versus doing the recruiting. Um, Mm -hmm. And just some of the changes you've seen over the years, because, you know, going from making 400 calls a day pre-LinkedIn to today, it's a completely different environment between the two. Yeah, it it is and it isn't. I I think there's still some things that remain the same. And um, I think I'm somewhat unique in my role in that I do carry Rex. Uh, I I own our VP of product engineering search right now, our director of quality search, a couple of others. So like we, we have executive searches happening some of which I rec- I'm the recruiter on. And I, I do that, uh, and it's a little bit of a difficult balancing act at times because I think I can add a lot of value to the company in that role. I also think it's really important for my team to see me doing that, that I am very close to the work. They know that I know what their job is all about. It'll, it gives me a lot of credibility with them too. Um, you know, part of A big part of my job is um, helping them to quarterback and manage their searches and candidates and dealing internally with stakeholders as well. So it has evolved a lot. You know, the the days of tons of cold calls, I think, are gone. I I do think there's still value in getting someone on the phone and cold calling them, even executives. uh, It it makes a difference. Uh, I think one of the big differences is uh, targeted content. You know, the, the, the days of you're awesome, we're hiring or you're awesome, I've got clients that are hiring. That's so over and it has been for years, but there's still recruiters who are engaged in that kind of dialogue. Um, so I think really being a subject matter expert, not only on Simply Safe, where I work now and, and everybody on my team needs to be that, but also on um, the broader market and our industry. And uh, our talent competitors are not home security companies. They're, they're primarily software and technology companies. And so to, to have a dialogue with somebody and, and really evidence your business acumen and your market acumen, that, that's a difference. That, that I don't think that was happening a ton when I first got into the business. Now it, it really separates recruiters. And like a lot of other industries, there's been disintermediation. You know, there's websites that do the jobs of recruiters. Or at least they claim that they do. And so that requires you to elevate your game even more. And I think there's been an evolution of internal talent acquisition capabilities as well. Whereas when I was first uh, you know, working at an agency, I had my own firm. Most, most companies did not have a really robust capability internally. Now, it's pretty common that, that, that you would. Um, it's, it's created great opportunities for guys like me. Um, you know, I... I I think the biggest joy for me is is coaching and mentoring and and leading 
recruiters. So that's some of the ways it's changed. I, I think also when you have that business acumen on on par with everyone else in the building, and, and at my level, I've got to have the same understanding of our strategy and our business as the person who runs product, the person who runs engineering, the person who leads marketing. And I put a lot of time and effort into that. And, and that allows me to play peer to peer with all of those people. So TA is not a people taking orders and chasing people around for feedback. And we're at the table with everybody else because I'm able to, I'm very intimately familiar with our business and our strategy. So those are some of the things that come to mind. I can't help but to ask, I mean, having a seat at the table is such a standout comment in general, but I mean, this last year, I feel like has forced every company to push HR to have a seat at the table because the number one conversation right now all day, every day is labor and focusing on employees. And, you know, Zach and I have been with the agency for a really long time. I've been here for 14 years and that evolution has certainly started to occur in my mind in the last year, been a real focal point of having, you know, HR and talent acquisition looked at as a cost center and not as a part of revenue and production and how the business operates and like the critical need to fund how you acquire and keep great talent. And I feel like this last 12 months has been like a reckoning for businesses to think about how they they view employees and talent acquisition. And do you feel like that's true to some degree? Like, how do you think this year has changed that dynamic? Uh, I think that is true for the laggards out there. Because if you needed the pandemic to evidence to you that these functions were critical to your success, you were already you're already losing. You know, I I think um, it's become more complex. You know, our our chief people officer is is tasked with our back to work plan. Uh, I was on a call with our CEO last week with her with our chief people officer talking about you know which roles need to be in the office and which don't and what's the impact on our talent. Uh, acquisition and and retaining people and all this. So I think it has made it more complex. And I think if you if you weren't already thinking about it as a strategic advantage, you're even further behind. And even if you were thinking about it in what I think is the right way, you still are like in uncharted territory and have a extremely, extremely difficult challenge ahead of you. And it's funny, as you were saying this, it made me think of when I interviewed at Simply Safe, I wasn't looking for a job and I interviewed with the founder and CEO uh, and a number of other people, one of whom was the CFO, which SimpliSafe had never had recruiting. They had one person who was doing some recruiting and was doing some HR work, and he was reporting to the CFO. And the CFO asked me, well, where do you think talent acquisition should report to in an organization? And my answer was anywhere other than the CFO. That sends the wrong message. I would never take a job reporting to a CFO because it just indicates that it's a cost center. And he was a little taken back, but but he got what I was saying. And my tone wasn't, you know, digging at him. It was being honest, like this is what I think. So right. I I think a lot of companies more so than in the past are thinking of it as a strategic advantage. But to your point and your question, I think there are still companies who don't see that and, and COVID and the pandemic uh, and now the associated bounce back and massive demand for talent. Those companies are really, really struggling. Does that make sense? I, I think it's interesting because it sounds so straightforward the way you put it, Larry, but I think you guys at Simply Safe and the way you think about it, 
really were in the minority until 16 months ago because I think even just on the on the agency side and thinking about the people that we have conversations with today versus the people that we had conversations with prior to the pandemic it's very different I think there's a higher level of person that joins conversations with agencies like us today that maybe didn't have much of an interest in it prior to that mm. um so it, again the way you put it it makes so much sense but i i think you guys really are in the minority and kind of being ahead of the curve on that i think we had the right approach going in and and chad lawrence founded simply safe he was the chief executive officer chief product officer and he looked me in the eye and said we've never done this right we, we've never even had a capability and uh, we want it to be a strategic advantage. I had talked to some other companies around that time as well, because I figured while I was talking to Simply Safe, let me see what else is out there. And, you know, compensation and level are also indicative, I think, of where companies view TA, you know, what they're willing to pay for a TA leader and what they're willing to invest into talent acquisition, I think, can really be indicative of how they view the capability and the function. And if you look at, at out there at companies that are really flying high and being innovative, they have a TA leader that's extremely experienced and well compensated uh, on par with other executives in the company. Th those that are uh, downgrading that role to a director level or something like that and reporting into a CFO or something, it's very telling. One piece that I always think of as a factor in that is a company's willingness to invest in their brand as an employer. You know, I think the the companies that are truly committed to it and truly investing in TA as a function, think about the brand piece, right? Um, and thinking back, I bring it up because one of the most fun projects I've been a part of was a video that we actually did together, Larry, back um, in your Vistaprint days. Um, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the role of brand in Kind of recruiting in ta as a function and how that impacts your ability to hire really great people great question it's um it's critical uh one of the things that i don't have at simply safe right now that i'm i'm going to be hiring for now is uh someone who is a hundred percent dedicated to brand i think begging and borrowing from marketing for that capability or in conjunction with working with a partner like a baird is really critical you know, it's, it's like other things now. Um, it's like buying a car. It's like buying the fishing rod I just bought. I'm going to go online and do a bunch of research. And, you know, I'm going to, or it's even making a dinner reservation. I'm going to discount the, a couple of those people because they're just cranky anyway and they hate everything. But then there's going to be some reviews that I'm going to really pay attention to and think about. And as much as I think Glassdoor is, is a bit of an extortion game, like people go there and, you know, they want to get, insight into what's happening at a company and you've got to pay attention to it. Um, so I think it's really, really critical. The, the, the talent landscape today, particularly for engineering talent, is hyper competitive and those people are going to do their homework and you need to at least get them interested in speaking with you. I, I think where it's a problem is based on what I see online, I don't even want to talk to you. You know, that, that's the hurdle you have to overcome. Yeah, I think the, you know, a candidate is a consumer at the end of the day, and we're going to mirror all those same behaviors. And there isn't a decision most people make these days that doesn't involve analyzing and assessing a review and going through multiple touch points to make a buying decision. 
I mean, my God, I'm trying to buy my three-year-old a scooter and it, you'd think it's like the greatest decision my husband and I have ever made. I'm like, well, this one, the wheels are in the back and it's got a thousand reviews. And this one, the wheels are in the front and it's got 10,000 yeah. <laughs> reviews. And this one is four stars. And here's what Marion, Iowa thinks, you know, whatever. But it's a yeah. relevant example because you're going to, you know, you're so accustomed in all of your decisions as a consumer to thinking that way. You're just going to mirror it over to to your candidate experience. This is fluorocarbon fishing line. It costs $8. It's kind of commoditized. I read a hundred reviews to select this product. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're all the same. Yeah. And treating candidates like uh, customers is, uh, I think a part of that shifting dynamic too. You know, with, with customers, you want to cultivate them. You want to build a long-term relationship with them. I, I talk to my team a lot about a lot of candidates are in your 401k bucket. We're not going to hire them. We're not going to interview them for years. But you just keep putting that 401k money away. You keep interacting with them. Quarterly, you have a, a, a touch base with them. And the touch base isn't, hey, we still have a job. You look awesome. Should we talk now? It's I know we talked about this. Did you see what's happening with um, microprocessors or w whatever it may be? So th there's a lot of that. And also treating your employees like customers is something that our uh, new chief customer experience officer has brought to Simply Safe, particularly for our employees in our contact center. And that's completely changed the dynamic of, of how we manage our workforce. Yeah, well, geez, there's a competitive role, contact centers and call centers, and you're competing against everyone for that talent. Um, and I think it's got a bad rap a little bit. We have so many clients that hire for call center roles, whether it's BPO clients or um, mm. retail clients with a call center, you know, kind of customer agent role. But I think there's a pers there's an image people have in their heads of what it's going to be like to work in that role. And I think you have to combat against that as an employer so hard. Um, so that's interesting that that's where you guys have made some like innovations and, and put some time and energy into rethinking that. It's a challenge, particularly when you have retail and fast food paying a lot of money now and doing signing bonuses and things like that. We, we also recently announced we had a press conference with uh, the governor of Virginia in our facility. Um, we're going to be bringing monitoring in-house. So today, the, you know, Mrs. Abbott, <clears throat> your sensor's going off. Do you want to send the police? That 24 by seven professional monitoring is outsourced to a third party. We're gonna be bringing that in-house and it'll be a Simply Safe employee and building that out in Richmond, Virginia. And um, that's a different level. You know, that's that's almost 911 dispatcher level. That's not tech support or uh, help desk type of stuff. So it, it is a challenge for sure. Yeah, one, one thing that is interesting that's kind of evolving is we talk about kind of the... <laughs> For for anyone listening, that's Larry cranking open his <laughs> cranking open his tequila. Yeah, but I think what's interesting is the is the buying process, right? When you think about jobs and the way in which people now evaluate that as part of the process is, people don't want to spend 15, 20 minutes going through application process anymore. It's that really factors into the decision making is, especially when you look at tech, the tech folks judge you on that side of things more so than anybody else. But looking at the way that you can reduce friction in that process as well is a big factor in candidate decision-making. 
Uh, it definitely is. Candidate experience in general is a critical, critical piece of what we do. And, and it's not just the recruiter, it's the coordinator, it's the hiring manager, it's the speed at which you respond to people, it's the content of that. Um, my team, a lot of what we talk about is never get out hustled, keep it authentic and real, treat people the way you'd want to be treated. Everybody interprets silence negatively. If I haven't heard from you, I think it's something bad. And you know that's a critical part of what we do. Oh my God, that statement you just said was like such an Oprah moment for this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Seriously, it's, it's like such a simple comment, but it's so true. Like, everyone interprets silence negatively. Like what yeah. a way to encapsulate how everyone feels about it. I never thought about it like that, but you're right. There's no way to positive, to think positively about silence. And the black box of TA is so real today. And it's such a challenge. And I think it's even worse now because the volume that everyone has to go after to try to net the right candidate right now leaves so many people in the lurch and in that black box. And if you don't have that TA process and how you're using artificial intelligence and, you know, technology platforms to help facilitate the workflow, I mean, it leaves a lot of people hanging. Yeah, it does. And I think one of the big uh, shifts with the pandemic that has created different dynamics in the talent market is the uh, evolution of working from anywhere. So, so our engineers are now in play for a lot of companies where they don't have to relocate. They could stay in Boston and work for California-based companies. And it's not just engineers. It's, it's There's a lot of functions and capabilities that are very much in demand. We're building out our finance capability. We hired a director of tax, director of technical accounting and external reporting. We're hiring product managers. We're hiring across the board. And it's changed the dynamic in, in a very big way that candidates we're engaged with are looking at opportunities that are 100% remote for companies that are not in Boston. And our, our people that work, uh, our existing employees are, uh, you know, hearing from companies they never would have heard from, or they would have heard from those companies, but it would have uh, included some sort of relocation somewhere. And now that's not the case. I, I think that's the biggest change with the pandemic is that shift in the, in the talent market. And it's a big shift. I mean, you look at Coinbase as an example in the crypto space. They came out and said, we're shutting our headquarters. Everybody can work from anywhere. And... We're going to pay at the top of the market and we're going to tell you what the pay is up front and we don't care what you're currently earning like that's what we're going to pay meaning it'll probably be more than you're earning today and that's great that's a shift uh that, that's a shift not everybody is interested in crypto but i use that as an example there's a lot of other companies that are doing the same thing yeah it's interesting because the there's a couple of companies that came out and said basically if you if you leave major markets they were going to adjust your pay accordingly. And it's yeah. like, it's interesting to see how that's gonna play out because right now the candidates kind of are driving that and have the power in that because there are so many options in terms of working remote where you can basically move anywhere and companies won't adjust your pay. Um, so it, it's gonna be an interesting dynamic as companies try to hold out um, and adjust pay for those that move out of major markets and those that are just We'll take you wherever. We'll pay you a Boston salary in whatever market you want to live in. Um, so I think kind of a year from now, it's going to be interesting to see where that sits. Our uh, approach is we're not going to be 100% remote and we're not going to be 100% in the office. 
we, we know that there will be some roles that we want people to be in the office three, maybe four days a week. If you live somewhere else, that might be four days, one week, and that's it for the month. There'll be some roles that will be one or two days a week. And there'll be some roles that will be twice a year for events. And we're, we're in the process right now of identifying well, what are those roles and, and how does it all work? And, and we, we hired so many people during COVID that we can't fit everybody in our existing space anyway. So we're moving into new space probably in January. And uh, uh, we're, we're back in the office now if you want to be starting next week. And we use an app. It's a hoteling kind of a setup. And uh, we're having team days. So the entire people team is in on August 10th. And uh, our company, the culture, uh, a lot of it is built around spending time together. We also are this unique intersection of uh, the virtual and physical world. You know, we, we engineer and design physical products. And that requires people to be together to do some of that work. So that's been happening even through COVID. I think a lot of the labor market wants that blend. Like we've seen that here, you know, our employee workforce, some people want the full-time and some people want the remote, but most people want the mix of the two. Like they, yeah. want, a, they want to sprinkle in a few days in the office and then they want to be at home as well right. because, you know, agency life, even though we're not developing a physical product, there's a lot of collaboration that happens and you want to be next to your pairs and you need to sit chair side and yeah no thanks for joining us today thanks for the time good luck on your vacation thank you um enjoy the time away it's been a weird year of working so the time away is important to disconnect and kind of re refuel before you come back it is i'm gonna uh completely unplug i'll send you all a picture of the striper that i catch with my new four-piece rod and uh thanks for the time thanks larry yeah enjoy larry thank you Bye. Bye. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.